You're halfway through your pregnancy. You've made it past the initial pregnancy symptoms, such as nausea and swollen breasts, but a whole other set of symptoms are now on the horizon. In part two of our series, we're focusing on specific symptoms you can expect during the last 20 weeks of your pregnancy. What triggers these symptoms, and are there ways to overcome them? Dr. Nick Kapitanakis is our expert once again. He is an OBGYN right here in San Diego. He's also a featured expert on our show. This is Preggy Pals, episode 71. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Have you joined our Preggy Pals Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. And you will also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine, one of our partners. See our website, preggypals.com, for more information. And joining me here in the studio is Stephanie, our Preggy Pals producer. Stephanie, before we get started, let's tell our listeners a little bit about our new virtual panelist program. Okay, so to be a virtual panelist, um, all you have to do is like our Preggy Pals Facebook page or follow us on Twitter, and you can share your tips for new parents and pregnant mamas um, and join our conversations anywhere in the world. Um, So basically, we'll be doing sneak previews of some questions that we'll be asking our expert, and um, you can chime in, and we'll read your comments on the air. Yeah, and if you are into Twitter, I know not all moms and dads are, but if you are, you can follow hashtag PreggyPalsVP. VP stands for Virtual Panelist. And um, we'll be tagging some comments from our experts and, and common questions and stuff like that through that as well. And you can find out more information on our website. PreggyPals.com. And under the Community tab, you'll see Be a Virtual Panelist. And it'll give you all the information you need. Okay, so... That's one way you can get involved with our shows. You can be a virtual panelist. If you are in the San Diego area, though, you could be a panelist right here in the studio. And we have got three panelists, plus Stephanie and I, joining us um, in the studio today. So let's um, actually, Stephanie, I'm going to go, I'm going to hop back to you. We didn't get a chance to introduce you in our last show, so I want to make sure we get that in. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Stephanie. I am 30 years old. I am a producer for Preggy Pills. Um, I am not pregnant. I'm the only one in the room that's not <laughs> right now. Um, I do have an almost eight-month-old baby girl named Savannah, and she's our only one. Okay, and you guys know me. Um, I'm actually pregnant with identical twin girls. Um, Due date is set for December 16th, but um, I'm having the babies via C-section, and that day has just been scheduled for December 2nd. So looking forward to that. And uh, two little boys at home, uh, Sayer, who is three years old, and Urban, who is now about 15 months old. Destiny, what about you? Uh, My name is Destiny. I'm 34. I'm a physical therapist and I specialize in pelvic floor treatment. I am due November 2nd with a baby girl and I have a son at home. He will be three in October. So right around his birthday is when we're expecting her. Um, And I'm planning my second home birth. Very exciting. Okay, Jessica. My name is Jessica. I'm 29 and a medical biller. My due date is March 8th and we are not sure yet of the 
of the gender, but as soon as we can, we absolutely will find out. And we have one other child, she's eight, and this time we're really hoping for a VBAC. Okay, and Bridget. Hi, I'm Bridget. I'm 28. I am a nonprofit fundraiser in healthcare. I am due December 19th with my first baby. It's a little boy. And uh, we are planning a natural childbirth with a midwife, but in a hospital. Okay, well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a question from um, one of our Facebook friends, actually. This comes from Whitney. If you guys want to send us a question, feel free to just go ahead and post it on our Facebook page. And we will check with our expert. So Whitney says, I've had two natural births, and I'm beginning to think about the third one. She's pregnant with her third. With the first two... I pushed in bed on my back. My doctors and I had discussed pushing positions in advance, and they said they would let me lead the way and find a comfortable pushing position. However, in both births, I was already on my back for in for an internal exam. They told me I could push, and I just pushed where I was. I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to change positions. I didn't push for very long, 20 minutes with the first, about two minutes with the second, and I had second degree tears both times. I've read that different positions might decrease my chances of tearing. Hi, Whitney. My name is Tara Messer. I'm a doula and a childbirth educator. Your pushing stages are quick. That's great. And there are some other positions that can reduce tearing, but also keep in mind that factors such as good nutrition and genetics can also play a role. In attending births, I found that positions as well as the method of pushing can really affect whether you tear or not. First, always go with your natural instinct. If all fours feels right to push, then go with it. All fours or hands and knees can take pressure off the perineum and slow a fast baby down. Seems like you may have some fast babies with those short pushing phases. But the next method is how you are pushing. You can ease your baby down by blowing or making a puh, puh, puh sound when the urge to push is there. This allows your tissues to slowly stretch with the baby instead of using extra force to push the baby or force the baby out. Your body is equipped with a natural expulsion reflex. This is designed to expel your baby gently when it's ready to enter the world. Also, by holding your hand on the top of the baby's head, your natural instinct will let the baby ease down and you can offer a little counter pressure to slow it down. I also have my moms visualize strong tissues that move and flex like a rubber band, never tearing and always coming back to the original shape. It's different for every mom, but slowing things down and letting your gut be your guide has always shown me the best results. Hope that helps. Good luck with baby number three. Today, we're continuing our discussion on pregnancy symptoms, and last week, we focused on the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, and this week, we'll focus on the last 20 weeks of pregnancy. Dr. Nick Kapitanakis is a featured expert on our show. He's an OBGYN, and he is joining us via phone. So, Dr. Cap, welcome back to Preggy Pals. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so as far as timing's concerned, every pregnancy is different, so it's not that, like, right at 20 weeks, you know, you're going to start feeling all these symptoms, but we at least want to touch on some of the things that you might be experiencing towards the end or the latter half of your pregnancy. So um, the first symptom is insomnia. I know a lot of women, including myself, you know, we're, we're getting up a lot in the middle of the night to pee and do a bunch of other things. But just being able to, you know, find a, a position, you know, that is comfortable enough, I think that kind of fits into this insomnia as well. And then just being able to sleep in general. So um, Dr. Cap, do your patients, you know, come to you with issues with insomnia? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, towards the end of pregnancy, once uh, the uterus has grown quite a bit, you get a lot of different symptoms, and those symptoms can prevent you from sleeping. Not only are you getting up to urinate a lot because you're getting that pressure on that bladder and you're feeling that sensation of fullness, but you're starting to have the back pain that comes along with pregnancy. Uh, some people also have a little bit of shortness of breath that comes along with pregnancy. And you add all those together along with, you know, feeling hot and, and not being able to get comfortable. And, and women generally have a tougher time sleeping. I mean, some of the things that we talk about are, you know, if you are running a little bit hot, maybe trying to sleep with a little fan on to keep your body temperature a little bit lower. Uh, the other thing is pillows, 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 pillows. I mean, I don't know how many times I got kicked off the bed just because of the uh, numerous pillows that were in the bed. But if you put a pillow between your legs when you lay on your side, it will help align the spine, and that will kind of cause you a little bit less uh, back pain. And then sometimes putting pillows behind you, that if you do tend to roll over, you don't roll over, let's say, laying on your back completely flat. Uh, that can help. And sometimes, unfortunately, I do have some patients that need to sleep in a reclined position where they do put numerous pillows and kind of ramp themselves up, or they sleep in a recliner, uh, which lets them get a little bit more comfortable and uh, allows them to sleep. But unfortunately, when you add all the symptoms or all the you know symptoms uh, of pregnancy together, uh, it can make for some sleepless nights. Okay, so ladies, how many of you guys are in the last? 20 weeks of your pregnancy so me okay and too. me too yeah. okay okay so Jessica you're the only one that's not <laughs> but I've been there but you've been there before that's <laughs> right that's right okay so insomnia not being able to sleep did you guys experience this and then you know with that what was your experience like yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I love my sleep I know I, I, too. I missed my sleep when my son was less than two <laughs> for the first two years after he was born and then I, I feel like I just got it back and then I got pregnant um uh, th- uh, my I, my insomnia actually didn't start until recently and I had a couple of bad weeks where I was like just tossing and turning and I'd go to sleep for a little while and then I think I would just wake up uncomfortable and um it got a lot better when I just got a body pillow you know it was just it was mostly yeah. positioning I think I was waking yeah. up because my hips were uncomfortable and I'd have to change and then and then I think the baby also started getting in a better position for me too and mm-hmm. so I've just I've been a lot more comfortable lately and it hasn't been the baby on the inside waking me up it's been my son waking me up lately oh yeah 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 I'm <laughs> but, actually yeah. borderline thinking about getting one of those body pillows yeah. La- you know last night was actually a really difficult night for me I woke up and I had like this really like weird back pain not, not like back pain I'm in labor but like back pain like I slept on something wrong and my perinatologist was telling me you can't just sleep on your back because I mean I'm already I mean I look like I'm 30 plus weeks you know even further along than that and you know I'm only um, you know just 24 or so weeks so um, you know things are progressing a lot further because there's two of them in there and so I've already found myself not being able to I can't even lay on my side like everything feels squished on my side and and she was telling me you just you can't lay on your back you know and I was able to sleep I don't really necessarily have insomnia but you know, I, I woke up in the middle of the night with this extreme back pain, and um, I was just like, what am I going to do? So my first thought was, maybe I should get one of those pillows or something. It kind of positions me a little bit better. And they've got like the, they've got the pregnancy body pillows. Yeah. I only needed just a regular body pillow yeah. just yeah, yeah, because yeah. we already had one. But I know for a lot of people, those 
the pregnant the like the horseshoe U shaped ones. Yeah, that, yeah. Those those really help them a lot. And the husband blockers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you already have a, hu- a husband blocker in front anyway. Right, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well be comfortable <laughs> in so many ways. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Back pain. Have you ladies experienced back pain? And, and that increases obviously. You know, the more pregnant you are, um, the further you know in your in your third trimester that you get. So, um, Doctor. Cap, let's talk a little bit about back pain. What's what's triggering this in our in our bodies? Sure. You know, as the uterus grows, the center of gravity changes and that lower back spine actually arches back a little bit more and you get a lot of low pressure in your, your lower lumbar region. That is, you know, physiologic. As as the belly grows, the back has to then bend so that center of gravity kind of stays where it needs to be so that you're just not falling over on your belly all the time. And unfortunately that can cause some low back pain. Um, things that I talk to my patients about, I always feel that core exercises are extremely important. And I'm not talking about laying on your back and trying to do a thousand crunches. I'm talking about yoga. I'm talking about swimming. I'm talking about Pilates. I'm talking about just strengthening the obliques, the low back, and all the muscles that are needed for posture. Uh, and that'll help kind of prevent and uh, some of the back pain by strengthening those muscles. Other things you can do, chiropractors are excellent and help adjust and align the spine. Acupuncture can help. Some people put a little heat on the muscles at the end of the day. Some people like a little ice on the muscles at the end of the day. Uh, stretching during the day can help. Uh, if all else fails, uh, there are maternity belts that you can wear. Some uh, come over the shoulders. That will help lift the uterus just enough to kind of take some of that pressure off that low back. Uh, to relieve that pressure, and unfortunately, some people's pain is relieved, and they and they take a little bit of Tylenol, which is okay if your pain is that bad. But I really impart the fact of trusting my patients to be physically active, fit, and strengthening those muscles. It's going to help uh, throughout pregnancy. Okay, ladies, experience with back pain. Anything you want to share? Any stories? Well, my like early in the second trimester, I had one week of severe back pain, and I and I ended up deciding it was just all baby position or growth spurt or something yeah. related that to that because um, I it, I it went away and uh, and I you know I treated it and fortunately because I'm a physical therapist, I work with a lot of physical therapists, yeah. and I had free treatment, so um, <laughs> and and I got in the pool a lot, and that's one of the things that I've discovered with. Uh, all of my patients is the pool is the best thing when you're oh, pregnant. Oh yeah, I it love feels that. so good and it helps so much with back pain. So there's my plug for physical therapy as well. <laughs> and um, but I had one one week of really bad back pain and and I haven't had it since. I've had some pelvic pain issues, but um, yeah. it's all been pretty manageable. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, I've definitely had some back pain. Um, started at, probably around the beginning of my second trimester, and I. I had my first prenatal massage a few weeks ago, Ooh, and that yeah. really helped, and I really need to do that more often. I'm going to have another one next week um, because I already – I mean, I feel a lot better still even. Right. And I think I'm partly paying more attention to my posture. I think that's a lot of it is the paying attention to my posture – and doing more stretches, I yeah. think, has really helped, too. And I'm trying to make myself go to a prenatal yoga class. It just has not happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And kind of something that kind of goes along with this a little bit. But in addition to the pain we're feeling in our back and um, perhaps in our tendon areas, um, leg cramps. I just I just had this for the first time the other day. I'm talking more about, like, charley horses that you get. Is this something, Dr. Cap, that's common in pregnancy? Absolutely. You know, leg cramps are very common. Uh, we're not 100% sure what, what causes I'm sure it's multi 
you know, one thing is obviously the extra weight causing increased pressure on the calves. Uh, the other concerns we always talk about is dehydration. And sometimes electrolytes, you know, both magnesium and potassium are very important, uh, as any runner will tell you. So leg cramps can happen for a multitude of reasons, uh, ways to avoid them. I always talk to patients about making sure that they are taking uh, some magnesium and uh, extra potassium. And also to stretch at night. I know it sounds kind of funny, but before you go to bed, if you stretch your calf even during the day and mostly at night, uh, then that can hopefully prevent that. And uh, the other important thing is also water. Make sure you're well hydrated and uh, take care of yourself and hopefully that will avoid some light cramps. I haven't had any Charlie horses. I'm I'm still, I'm like 23 weeks, so I don't know. There's pl- plenty of time probably, but I do take a daily meta- uh, magnesium supplement because of um, I get migraines and that helps with that. And so I haven't had any. I have had foot cramps though that are the same kind of thing where your foot like tenses up and like, oh God, what's happening to me? <laughs> like back when I used to dance, it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the last one on our list before we take a quick break is one that a lot of people experience. This seems to be like a calm. This is like my mantra when I'm pregnant. Um, heartburn. And then to kind of go along with that belching and gas. But I think it's <laughs> like the sexiest thing ever. Really. My husband and I had burping contests. It was funny you won you won ah, I still, I'm sure. no he would look at me like who are you <laughs> but the heartburn thing that I mean that has hit me with every pregnancy and that yeah that that one you don't really want to have a competition for I don't think but uh anyway let's start with heartburn anyone experience heartburn yes. I I yeah. was so fortunate. I think I'm like the only pregnant person that doesn't get heartburn oh gosh so so bad like in my last trimester with my daughter I, I just could not even lay down I had to sleep sitting up uh, and no. then drink chug milk and no, Tums I, I, it was yeah, I ate Tums <laughs> like they were candy Tums yeah. does not work for me and then it I well it stopped work. working so then I had to do the what is it the Prilosec or yeah. something yeah. I had to do Zantac oh, I had to do Prilosec um, but you know what? One thing worked for me, and I didn't even know about it, but my perinatologist told me about it for this pregnancy. Um, um, Pepsid. Have you guys, you know what Pepsid is? I originally thought it was like a liquid form. I don't know if it used to be liquid, but now they've got these tablets that kind of look like Tums. And I guess all these medications, it you know, they work differently with different people. So there really isn't one fix it for everybody. But just, you know, a word to our listeners, if Tums aren't working and you don't want to get on medication, I mean, talk to your OB or your, your medical provider, but Tums is something you can buy over the counter and it really worked for me. It was like the first thing other than Prilosec, regular yeah. medication. Yeah, like Prilosec or Zantac that, that actually worked. You know, progesterone uh, is increased in pregnancy. Progesterone kind of slows down the intestines and the GI tract. Also, progesterone makes the valve that closes the esophagus to the stomach a little bit kind of leaky. So you can have more reflux during pregnancy. You're probably a little bit more sensitive also to triggers. Triggers usually are tomatoes, spicy foods, sometimes caffeine, all can make that uh, reflux a little bit uh, worse. Uh, One thing you can try to do is eat and not lay down within two hours. Let your stomach kind of empty so that there isn't as much of an acidic environment to kind of get that reflux going. And if you lay down too quickly, that valve uh, increases kind of that leakiness and uh, the heartburn can kind of increase. Uh, As far as the belching and burping, I'm sure you guys do it all the time and now you just blame it on pregnancy. However, it's probably also related to the progesterone and uh, things are just slowing down. 
Um, ways to avoid the heartburn, like I said, is try to try to not eat and lay down and avoid your triggers. Um, again, spicy foods and uh, usually tomatoes or anything acidic. Tums uh, are safe in pregnancy. You can always try chewing on a couple tums to uh, uh, avoid heartburn. And then we also have medicine, medicine like, you know, um, Pepsid, which is a class B medicine uh, that you can try, but you can always, uh, again, try to avoid your triggers and do those little tricks. And if all else fails, there is some medicine. Okay. So that's, that's heartburn, belching and gas. Any other com- anyone else have contests with their spouses like Stephanie to see if you can burp the alphabet or whatever? There's, there's no contest. <laughs> <laughs> and the gas, I mean, let's, let's face it. Let's, let's be yeah. real. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just <laughs> quit that, I had to do it. For it. I had to do that in private still. I can't, I still, yeah. No. Yeah. No, I mean, when it, when it comes to my husband, like, I just, you know, he just has to understand. Like, I kind of did a caveat, like, in the beginning of the pregnancy. I'm just like, okay, I'm getting to that point where I can't control a lot of stuff. And it's really embarrassing when it happens, like, in the middle of the night. And then he'll tell me the next day, like, oh, my God, you did this and that. And I'm like, first of all, I was sleeping. Thank goodness I was sleeping. And it wasn't that insomnia moment, right? Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, it's just one of those things I quit apologizing for. I try to control it when I'm around other people. But if I'm just at the house, you know, you know, I'm not going to – I'm just not it, – it takes too much effort. Yeah. yeah. The, worst no, is, you know. the worst is when you're at work. After lunch – after lunch and you get tired so you don't really feel like holding things back anyway but you got to work with people I mean I, I don't have a cubicle job I'd, I'd love to at, the, yeah. at that moment because yeah, yeah that's I listen to uh, to actually preggy pals at work so oh, I, you do? Oh, nice. I, I can't hear myself so it's fine <laughs> if you can't hear it then it doesn't, doesn't matter exactly. <laughs> and it didn't happen yeah. <laughs> okay when we come back we'll wrap up our list of common pregnancy symptoms during the last 20 weeks of pregnancy we'll be right back Welcome back. Today we're breaking down the most common pregnancy symptoms you may notice within the last 20 weeks of pregnancy. Dr. Nick Kapitanakis, an OBGYN and a featured expert for Preggy Pals, is on our show today. He is joining us via phone. Okay, so let's continue with our list here. Shortness of breath. Dr. Cap, what typically causes the shortness of breath? I feel like this increases, you know, the bigger the baby gets. I, I know I've, I've looked at some diagrams of how how much the, the baby impacts the body as the baby's growing and man it's really up against your lungs so is that what's primarily causing the shortness of breath you know what usually happens is actually the diaphragm which kind of controls your breathing and and your lung expansion uh, gets pushed up in pregnancy because of you know it's a space issue so you don't have as much space the diaphragm gets pushed up and then the lungs can't expand as much one way the body tries to compensate for that is trying to increase the diameter of the rib cage and you know some people will have that sharp pain up in the right side or the left side as those ribs open up and you'll notice that, you know, your rib cage size actually increases in pregnancy to try to compensate to allow that extra volume. So the the uterus pushes that diaphragm up, you can get some sensation of shortness of breath. Now, I would say 99% of the time shortness of breath in pregnancy is not not that much of a concern, but when you start having shortness of breath, increase in swelling, and that shortness of breath is occurring at rest, and it's not necessarily like going upstairs or even walking to the bathroom. When you start having it more, more so in, in again, a uh, state of rest, 
then we do kind of get concerned a little bit. We may send you to a cardiologist just to make sure your heart is fine because the heart does work a little bit more during pregnancy. You know, your heart rate goes up uh, and it's trying to move more volume. So rarely, rarely, rarely can there be something else that is, is causing that shortness of breath. But again, it is very rare. And uh, if, uh, if you're having shortness of breath while at rest, you probably should let your uh, OB know. Uh, lady, shortness of breath. Now, this could be triggered by something or just, you know, in general, just kind of doing your daily activities. But when, I'm sure you guys did experience it. So I guess the question is, at what point in your pregnancies does this usually happen? I feel like it was like pretty much right at the end where you just get so yeah. big, you feel like you, there's no room for your lungs. And, and that's what I feel like, yeah. For sure. Well, for me, I, I felt like it was almost toward the end of my second trimester with like all the blood blood volume changes and everything. Like I yeah. didn't like it was harder for me to push all the blood. And I well, and I got swelling early on too. So yeah, I I had a lot of blood flow, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fluid in my blood my body. Yeah, it, like yeah. it got harder for my my circulatory system to push all that. And so it, the shortness of breath came on earlier. I think. Yeah, for me it was in the beginning and then mm. towards the end. Towards the end, and I don't know if this probably goes along with it, but like you you oof and oof yeah. like <laughs> every every move you make. You yes. know, <laughs> sitting down, standing up, just. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, I think we talked about this in our last episode, but when you're caring for more than one child, like, mm-hmm. I think that really provokes it, too. Um, because my little guys are running around constantly, and I find myself, things I could easily do before, I'm just like, there's just no way, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and thankfully, they're starting to get a little bit older where they're starting to listen to my commands a little bit more. So instead of me having to hunt them down because they're running around without their underwear on, <laughs> they can come to me, and I can put their underwear back on them. Um, but that's, that's in that in the steps because I've got I, I have a two-story and there's no like middle landing or anything like that so every time you know when we go down for like lunch or breakfast or whatever or the kids throw something down the stairs and I have to go get it I'm just like huffing and puffing as I go up the <laughs> stairs so that's another time when I notice it and kind of to go along with shortness of breath is exhaustion um, ladies at what point you know did you really feel exhaustion in your pregnancies and what was that experience like for you I think it's totally different. Uh, last time, it didn't happen until the end. I feel I, I worked up to the day before I went into labor. Not planned. Oh my god! Not planned. Wow. He was two weeks early, but um, and so I didn't really have that that major exhaustion. Um, yeah. But this time, with a top with with a two year old, it's totally different because uh, it's you're expending. I'm expending way more energy, so I feel like I already have moments of exhaustion every evening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. I had really bad fatigue in my first trimester, and now I'm in, like, the sweet spot where mm-hmm. everyone's like, yeah, life is great. Pregnancy's the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do find that I get exhausted more easily, obviously, than I would before I was pregnant. So, like, I went, I was on vacation a few weeks ago, and I went for a really long walk, and normally that'd be no big deal. But I came back to the hotel, and I was like, all right. <laughs> nap time I'm going to lay here for a while seriously we're not going anywhere right now naps yeah. really do have, if you're mm-hmm. completely exhausted you know naps whether a half hour 15 whatever that can really yeah really help um, Dr. Cap, are there ways that you typically you know when you when you have a patient come in and they're complaining of extreme exhaustion what are some of the ways that, that you recommend trying to prevent that or even manage it a little bit better take naps you know, that's, yeah, that's a tough one, you know, especially if you're chasing around little ones. Uh, I would say take advantage of uh, when they take a nap. Just try to take a nap for half an hour. Some people do really well with those power naps. Uh, again, exhaustion is, is, is part of the whole 
um, last part of pregnancy, and it's also part of the first part of pregnancy, but there isn't really a magical trick to it. Uh, I wish I could tell you there was some, you know, vitamin deficiency or something like that. Uh, you know, iron, if you're anemic, that, that definitely can cause uh, some anemia in your OB. Uh, should check your, you know, your your hemoglobin around 28 weeks. But other than that, again, it's kind of one of those symptoms where you just try to manage the best you can. Uh, try to take naps, drink plenty of water, and uh, to try to take care of yourself. So the next symptom on our list is contractions. Um, I actually had a scare with this this last weekend. I've never had contractions other than when I've been in labor. Um, rare cramping. I've just been really fortunate in that area. And I woke up a couple days ago. It was like 4.30 in the morning, and I'm starting to feel a little crampy. And I, and I wasn't sure if it was you know, indigestion, if I just had to go to the bathroom or, or, you know, what was what was going on there. So I thought, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to monitor myself a little bit. And a couple hours go by and there was nothing I could time, nothing like that. Um, but it was just like menstrual cramps. And I really started to freak out, you know, and then came in like some lower back pain issue. And I'm going, okay, I, I know some signs of preterm labor and, and these kind of fall in that category. And, and I actually called triage and went in and they checked me and I was fine. But I've never had that happen before. Um, Braxton Hicks, I think, kind of falls into this category as well. It's kind of an overall tightening um, that you'll feel. And I've been having that already, which totally freaks me out um, because, you know, I'm just over halfway through the pregnancy and um, obviously the babies aren't viable yet. So I'm like free at every little symptom thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And it's so hard to compare a singleton pregnancy to a twin pregnancy. Um, so I know things are going to happen much faster. But anyways, that's been my experience with contractions. I know some people on Facebook, Stephanie, were kind of chatting about contractions. So what are, they, what are they saying? Yeah, so one of our virtual panelist questions, um, I asked if anyone had experienced contractions in the later half of their pregnancy and um, how they dealt with them. And our Facebook friend Desiree said she contracted a lot during all of her pregnancies. And with her second son, she contracted... Um, every three to five minutes for the last month. Oh, my, oh my gosh. See, and that would totally freak me out. Well, me and she said, <laughs> so when she went to be induced, they thought she was already in labor because of the contractions. So to deal with them, she said she would lay down on her side and put her feet up, drink lots of water, sometimes, you know, in a bath. And so I think that's pretty pretty typical, right? I mean, yeah. not not the frequency in which she was contracting, but like the way to deal way with to it. Way to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Cap, what do you think about that um, when it comes to contractions? What are what are some good ways to deal with those to, obviously we're trying to prevent any kind of preterm labor and, you know, just take care of ourselves. So what are things, you know, you recommend to your patients? Sure. You know, the uterus is a big muscle and sometimes dehydration can cause some irritability or some contraction. So, you know, if you're feeling an occasional contraction, it's very normal. If you're having more than five in an hour, I would say, and they're and they're somewhat painful, uh, I would let your OB know, like you said, or let labor and delivery know. Um, but contractions in and of themselves, for the most part, are are, are fairly common. Uh, if you're exhausted at the end of the day, you're dehydrated, you're tired, uh, those can all cause contractions. So one thing we talk about is uh, fluids. Take, drink two big glasses of water. Go lay down, get off your feet, and see if they go away. If they don't go away, you know, let your OB know. You know, we use the term Braxton Hicks as, you know, practice contractions or, um, yeah, I guess practice contractions. But in essence, that's kind of what the uterus does when you normally contract, right? When you go into labor, they're all contractions. 
the breaths and takes those just aren't painful and they're you and they don't dilate your cervix. So we kind of use it as a term, uh, as a, as a practice contraction. Again, if you're having more than, than five an hour and they're painful, you should let your OB know. Get off your feet, drink some fluids and see how you do. Okay. So we talked about the next symptom actually in, in last week's episode, it's rearing its ugly head again, uh, urine frequency, which, you know, I guess like in the, in the first 20 weeks, you know, there, there's a lot your body's going through, but I think towards the, the end, it's really about baby pressing down on bladder. And really, again, the baby's just taking up so much room in your body. Your other organs just aren't functioning the same way. My baby is doing this fun little thing that she, she loves to like grind her head on my bladder. <laughs> it's like she's looking around for something inside my pelvis. And so I just feel this like twisty little t- torque on my bladder. She's and looking for a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have a very comfortable bladder. You Apparently. Know, like a pillow bladder. <laughs> so uh, you know, the, the frequency or the urge, the urge to go kind of comes and goes with just how she's moving her head. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not like a really regular um, frequent urge. It's just, you know, every once in a while I'll be like, oh, my goodness, I really got to go. And then she'll <laughs> stop and then it'll go away. Yeah. But there's nothing more infuriating than having to go really bad and then sitting on the toilet and having like not having nothing anything to out. go because yeah. you're just got weight on your bladder. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is just try to, to avoid more frequently. Sometimes if you avoid on your own every every two or three hours, keeps the bladder a little bit smaller and so you're not over distending it and then having that urge to run to the bathroom. So I know it sounds kind of weird, but I wouldn't wake up to urinate because you'd probably do it on your own. But, um, you know, if you try to keep your bladder a little bit uh, less distended during the day and don't go on those long stretches of five, six hours, Sometimes that can kind of help keep that bladder a little bit smaller and those symptoms uh, a little bit less. The other thing is caffeine. You know, overall caffeine we believe is safe in pregnancy. Uh, American College of OBGYN says, you know, a couple of coffee days is fine, but, you know, that can also make you, uh, as a diuretic, uh, have to urinate more. You know, cutting out, you know, mass amounts of fluids after 8 p.m. before you go to bed or whatnot is probably a little bit helpful. But, you know, big uterus, small bladder, and you're going to get that that frequency. Okay, let's talk about swelling a little bit. I, I think we talked about this um, just, you know, a little bit in the past. But um, swelling, bloating all kind of comes together. Um, you know, just, just overall just kind of feeling like you're one big Stay puff Marshmallow woman. Um, I, I've already, I mean, usually that doesn't hit me until like weeks, maybe, I don't, I don't know, after 30 weeks, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I've had it with both of my boys. Um, and I get like hobbit feet. Like it's really, yeah. really ugly. But. But um, I, I started getting it a couple weeks ago already with the twins, and I, I guess I should have expected that. And I have heard from a lot of um, moms who have had twins that practically at the end, you know, you, you, it's so uncomfortable you can't even really move, you know. And but one of the things is the swelling. So, but what, what about you, ladies? Have, did you experience a lot of swelling, not just in your feet? And um, that's kind of the first thing I go to. But even in your hands, like not being able to wear your wedding rings and stuff like that. What's your experience? I had the most beautiful kinkles. <laughs> my first pregnancy. Yeah. I still do. I mean, uh, <laughs> it never went away, huh? Mine started early with my son. Mine started early in the in the second trimester, the first time, really? and, and and I was swollen the entire time. Um, and this time it's way better, and I'm doing different things to manage it. Yeah. Um, and and it's so much better. I still I still get swollen, and sitting too long is I found is oh. the number one thing that will make my legs and my ankles swell up. Is just sitting 
long periods of time. I'm glad to hear that, like, your second time is not as bad if you manage it. Because for me, like, around 24 weeks, I would say, Mm -hmm. um, I started getting really bad carpal tunnel. And that's from swelling. Uh Um, So I retained so much fluid. In the end, I had gained 45 pounds, and I lost... 30 within two weeks. Yeah. So that was all fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, I say I only gained 15 pounds. <laughs> and I'm the <laughs> same way. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of my, I didn't look super swollen. I mean, I couldn't wear my rings. My feet looked okay. But now that I look at my feet, I'm like, oh yeah, they were swollen. Yeah. But like it, it happened gradually, I guess. So I didn't really notice it as much. Yeah. But yeah. And my mom said that my nose got bigger. And I think <laughs> and I, that's wow. from swelling too. Like, oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the swelling issues are just kind of your body's makeup. You know, some people get varicose veins, some people get, you know, spider veins, things like that, and and swelling is part of that. You know, we think that that fluid from the lower extremities just doesn't make it back to the heart, and it backs up, and the actual vessels and goes out into the tissues and causes that swelling. So a few things are just making sure that you're well hydrated. It sounds kind of backwards, but actually more fluid will help more circulation and hopefully get that fluid out of your body. And so if you just, you know, to sit in a chair and, and, and raise your uh, legs, that can help. And then, uh, unfortunately, some people need to wear what's called head hose or, or stockings that help kind of compress uh, the legs. They're quite tight and help move that fluid. Um, staying active sometimes can help because as your calves squeeze, it also propels some of that fluid back into the heart and, and gets processed. Uh, through the kidneys, so all those things can kind of help. Weird, a weird thing. My midwife actually said, "Eat more salt, really, sea salt." Yes, which is is like contra- contradictory to what they tell you when you're not pregnant, um, but it makes a huge difference. If I eat more sea salt and put things in my mouth, that would be an interesting well, question. It's for an electrolyte yeah. type it's, thing, and, and it's because your blood volume is increasing. So, because you have increased blood volume, you need increased salt. And if you don't have that increased salt, then you start leaching fluid out of your blood vessels into the space in between. So you start swelling more. So that was one of the things that made the biggest difference for me was eating more salt on a re- really regular basis. Yeah, my, my birth education class um, recommended salting your food yes. to taste and everything, um, yeah. but didn't say why. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never heard of that. You know, um, you know I guess... I guess some people believe that the salt will then pull some of the fluid back into the vessels, uh, but I've, I've never heard that necessarily as a treatment for um, swelling, per se. Well, thanks to Dr. Cap for joining us today. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we'll discuss how your pregnancy symptoms can change during each subsequent pregnancy. So for more information about our club, visit our website, preggypals.com. Before we wrap up today's show, here's Dr. Danny Singley with tips on becoming a new dad. Hi, Preggy Pals. My name is Dr. Daniel Singley. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in men's issues and founder of Basic Training for New Dads. Let's take a couple minutes to focus on how expectant couples can approach the process of birth planning. People approach birth in very different ways, and there's no one-size-fits-all approach that will work for everyone. Many expecting couples choose to develop a plan for how they want to handle the period from immediately prior to the birth through the point at which they leave the hospital or birthing center. The point of a birth plan is to have a roadmap regarding your preferences for the process of having your child. Keep it simple. One page of info is plenty, so no need to pick out the linen in your delivery room. 
Common considerations include whether to have a vaginal birth versus a C-section, pain management options, what medications and immunizations to have administered to the baby and to mom, and whether mom should be uptown by mom's head or alternately downtown. The list of considerations will be unique to any couple, but you can access a list of key questions and templates at the birth plan page of the American Pregnancy Association's website. Childbirth.com and The Bump are other examples of online resources that offer free customizable templates to help you guide the planning process. So take a look at those examples. Because dads often aren't sure how to be involved in the planning and birth process, having him take point on identifying a template and charting information about the plan is a great way to get him to understand he's integral to the pregnancy and birth process. Finally, it's critical that once you and your partner have developed a plan with which you're comfortable, you also need to be flexible if the plan needs to change during the actual birth process. Even more importantly, you, your partner, and your healthcare provider need to have discussed what plans A, B, and C might look like. So if you're completely against an epidural, a spinal block, a C-section, specific vaccinations, or other types of procedures, rather than simply ignore the possibility that you might need to use one of them, it's critically important that you and your partner have discussed how you would handle this type of option should it come up. The last thing you want to do during the birth of your child is try to hash out this decision on the fly. Thanks very much for listening. I hope this information is helpful. I'm Dr. Daniel Singley at NewDadsClass.com, and be sure to keep listening to Preggy Pals for more tips on how new dads can hit the ground running in their transition to fatherhood. <laughs> That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we have another episode in our Getting Pregnant series. For those of you who have a tough time conceiving, you may be considering a basic infertility evaluation. We're going to explain what that means and what you can expect. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.